Some topics in this podcast series deal with sensitive subject matter that may not be suitable for all listeners. The National Principles for Child Safe Organisations reflects 10 child safe standards recommended by the Royal Commission into Institutional Responses to Child Sexual Abuse. These principles aim to provide Australia with a nationally consistent approach to creating organisational cultures that foster child safety and well-being. They have a broader scope that goes beyond child sexual abuse to cover other forms of potential harm to children and young people. This podcast series, brought to you by ComplySpace and Brave Hearts, unpacks each of the 10 principles, their implications and ways to apply them. In this episode, we explore Principle 2. Children and young people are informed about their rights, participate in decisions affecting them and are taken seriously. Hi, I'm Matt Sinclair. I'm the National Child Protection Training Manager from Bravehearts. And I'm Deborah Defina. I am Principal Consultant in Child Protection at ComplySpace. And you're listening to our series of podcasts about the 10 National Principles for Child Safe Organisations. This discussion is around principle number two, children are safe, informed and participate in the decisions and ongoings of a child safe organisation. And we think there's uh, no better opportunity than to actually hear from a young person. So today we have Caroline McVicker, who is a youth champion with the Queensland Family and Child Commission. Welcome, Caroline. Hey. <laughs> so, Caroline, it's, um, I'm really interested to understand about your experiences and, and a little bit more about the role of the Family Child Commission's Youth Advisory Council. Can you tell Definitely. us a bit about that? Um, the Queensland Family and Child Commission's Advisory Council was created so the government can get a perspective on young people's opinions on laws and stuff that affects them. Um, we do a lot of conversations on like, what does this mean to you? How can we improve focus groups and stuff like that? And we recently, I was actually able to work on the Growing Up in Queensland project. Fantastic. So I actually spoke at the opening event and I actually went and saw some of the focus groups. Brilliant. So where we went into schools and we like spoke to kids. My group I had was, I believe, grade three to grade four. So Great. we got to have, we got to write on big butch papers and, you know, <laughs> keep it all up to them and stuff like that. But yeah. Awesome. So how many people are actually on the Youth Advisory Council? Do you, do you know? Is it counting on your fingers? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to say roughly five, but please don't quote me on yeah. that. Great. And, and you're in Queensland, so predominantly from Queensland and from different sort of backgrounds and, and experiences in life. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Mm. What's been the highlight for you? So we were, um, it's a two-year period of which you're on the, the council. What's been the highlight for you so far? Um, I don't know if it's really a highlight, but it's something that I like, I'm taking from this experience is um, it's definitely put me out of my comfort zone. Yeah, right. In school, I was the shy kid that would never do speaks or talks or anything like that, mm. wouldn't do presentations. And then I've been able to like be on radio, be on news, and now doing a podcast. And it's like yeah. definitely bringing me out of my comfort zone. Mm. Fantastic. 
And uh, you're studying at the moment. What are you studying? I'm currently studying a Bachelor of Human Services and a Bachelor of Criminology and Criminal Justice at Griffith University. Excellent. And I think that's a, a, a really good segue into the, the context of this, these discussions around um, the dynamics of keeping children safe in organisations. And a lot of the work and the predominant part of the research really had a criminology focus to it and certainly a justice focus. Mm. Um, so... Yeah, thanks very much for, for sharing your knowledge and skills and experience. Thank you for having me. One of those big things um, that was a, a big part of it, and I personally was, um, and as, as was um, Deborah, part of the Royal Commission, and I was able to sit in a number of their sessions where they mm-hmm. held these inquiries and asked questions of different leaders from different organisations. And one of them was, um, how do you give children a voice in your organisation? And there was a variety of different looks and stares in, in reply. And I found it a really interesting question. So my question for you is, what does that having a voice or what does participation for young people mean to you? I feel like back in the old, like not old days, but back before a lot of these councils have started existing, mm. a lot of people thought they knew what young people and children were like thinking about or what they want and what their needs are. And now that we're slowly like realising that you're not going to be able to find what kids want or what young people want without going and asking them directly mm-hmm. and giving them the chance to participate in decisions that affect them and decisions that ultimately when everyone moves on, we're the generation that will have to clean up the other mm-hmm. decisions, like the mistakes that this generation, like not saying you guys have made a ton of mistakes, <laughs> but, <You guys>. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we know what's going on and mm-hmm. I feel like it's only now that mm. people are starting to realise to get us to participate, to get us to have that critical feedback, to get us to have those, just giving balance and informed information mm. of what we want, what we need is becoming mm. more important. Yeah, and that goes depend- regardless of age, doesn't it? So Definitely. from the very beginning to the very end, you were just talking about um, going and see- seeing focus groups and talking with grade three and four year Yeah, definitely. It was very weird having, um, I think they're about seven, yeah, eight, eight, nine, yeah. around that age, talking about like eco-structure. They're worried about um, the trees, mm. not having enough trees, not having enough playgrounds. They're worried about what's going on in overseas and like the the mm. traumas and stuff that's mm. happening over there with other kids their age and like I know if when I was that young I didn't think about that stuff but with technology and everything that's happening we're ve- they're very informed mm. 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 are there any ways um so the Queensland Family and Child Commission uh, undertook a a project called the growing up in Queensland can you tell mm. us a little bit about that and, and why that was an important piece of work it was like the first, um, it's the first report done in Queensland that mm. has actually gotten like their views and it's got quotes from them and stuff like that. It's got like, who do you see in your community? What do you need in your community? Mm. Um, right. Where do you see your community going in the future? But not also that, like who's in your social group? Who do you talk to? Mm. Um, things about mental health and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah. So I guess it was like a, a quite a critical piece of work and a report that gave insight into the views of young people and, and what mm. they're 
what they find important. Yes, definitely. And, and, and what they see as a challenge, in, in particular around their communities. And I think one of the things for this principle is around, you know, not having some broad, huge report where people went around across the state, but how can you, at a school level, maybe a small school or a large school from kindergarten to year 12, mm-hmm. a boys' school or a co-ed school or what have you, how can you draw out those sorts of same sort of, uh, I guess, approaches or concepts of asking people what they really think. Mm-hmm. Are you aware of any other examples or what do you think might be a good idea to, to get the views of in a, if I was the principal of a school, how could I get the ideas from my grade threes? Just ask them, talk to them. Maybe not go to the extremes of what do you want to learn, but what do you need to learn to mm. be a happy young grade three or mm. yeah. like, yeah, obviously you're going to get some silly answers like <laughs> free time every day play-doh cookies all that stuff mm. bring lollies into classrooms but you'll find out they will they're wanting to learn stuff they want to know like I have a sister that's in grade three at the moment and she's very she'll she came up to me and asked me about Adams the other day mm. right I know nothing about Adams that's not my field of expertise but <laughs> we googled it and we went through it and we mm. sat down and we yeah, yeah, right. All that stuff, but they, they want to know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so once you sort of cut through what you would normally expect, you'll probably find gold in them, yes. their mountains. Mm. Exactly. Um, one of the components of the, of the principles is about recognising the importance of um, friendships and encouraging support from peers. How do you see that as important? And how do you think um, an organisation like a school might help kids maintain those friendships and, and, and relationships with their peers? Um, I think a lot of that needs to come from learning it's okay to be who you are. Mm. We're in a stage where a lot of things are still taboo. Yep. So even though there's, it's young children, they're learning their identity and it's not stereotypical for a young boy yep. to play dress up. Or wanting to play house and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I think encouraging them to be who they want to be. So it's still play, like it's just mm. harmless play, but it's kind of expected that young boys play mm. with cars mm. yeah. or they're always rough housing, where mm. girls are expected to play house and do mm. all that dress up stuff. But um, let kids be who they want to be. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And it can be quite a challenge for. For us grown-ups to, to think how do you not impart what was perhaps a societal value or expectation Definitely. from our memories of mm. being a teenager mm. onto those onto young mm. kids today and, yeah. and adolescents today. Really great point. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of schools are already doing a lot of these sorts of things. Mm. So they do have the protective behaviours and the respectful relationships and all that sort of education. Mm. And a lot of them are also doing um, stuff like having peer groups and peer support and those sorts of things. Yeah. Have you seen anything else out there like the house groups or peer groups or anything that some schools or organisations are doing really well? I know in some schools they've got something called the buddy chair. Right. I'm not sure if it's really the buddy. It Maybe it's different in all schools, mm. but I know it, in my sister's school they've got the buddy chair where if a kid doesn't have anyone to play with or anything, they can sit in that chair and then there'll be someone there 
to make sure mm. that they have someone to talk to throughout the break and stuff like that or play with. Mm. And I think that's really good because it's being inclusive with everyone. And, mm. like, I don't think adults realise it, but kids have fallouts with friends all the time. <laughs> and yeah. it may be, like, small things to us, but to them it's, like, the biggest thing in the world. Like, mm. it happens and I don't think we are teaching kids that it's okay to say you don't want to play with someone today, but you mm. have to do it in the nice way, not mm. the necessarily called bullying way. Mm. But um, it's also okay to let the weird kid in the classroom play with you. Mm. Yeah, We have so many stereotypes over this. It's just mm. it's hard to really get into the kid's mind and mm. figure out what's okay and what's not. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so another core component of this uh, principle about children being um, safe, informed and participating is um, having an environment that is friendly and welcoming to children. So an environment can mean you're physical, you're online, whatever. Um, what What does a child-friendly environment look like? Okay. I'm almost 20, so <laughs> I can't really answer that because I'm not a kid. But my advice for the mm. people that do make these decisions, the mm. top-end decisions, mm. is include the kids in these decisions. Mm. Sit down, talk to them about it, even if it, they draw it on a butcher's paper mm. or something yeah. like that. Mm. They need to be included in the top-end decisions. Mm. They need to be given a voice of saying, this is what we need in our community. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think that's really sage advice. It's, it is, isn't it? It's as simple as just ask or and find ways to you know observe what might be happening to to understand what would be better about that. Mm. What other advice could you give to people working in a school to, I guess, to to make it more... Uh, there's so much about being a child-safe organisation, which is more than just knowing when to call the authorities and what can make an environment really enriching for a kid. I think, personally, it's more stop, listen to them, listen to their complaints, listen to what's going on, listen to their worries, listen to mm. the highlights. Like mm. if they come home and they, or if they come in from the weekend and said, oh, we went tobogganing mm. as just a random example mm. in my head that I just had right. <laughs> um, to that week and then sit down and talk to them and see mm. what they want. Like you can expand mm. everything mm. and see, well, you went tobogganing, so what's what can you do next or mm. what's the plan for next mm. weekend? It's having... Mm. Those connections and creating those connections with. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think absolutely I agree with mm. you. And there's so much that we talk about when working with particularly teachers mm. around creating an open environment where kids feel safe to talk. Yeah. And it's not just about they feel unsafe. It's about talking about everything and anything. Mm. And if they are feeling safe to talk about anything and every, everything, they're more likely to talk about things that are really concerning them. Definitely. Mm. You talked a little bit before about um, having some feedback. So when you are involving children in these discussions about, well, what should our playground look like or what activities should we be doing, um, why is it so important to have feedback? Say say the, the kids have a, a an idea about what the playground should look like and it doesn't look like that when it comes out. Mm. Realistically, I know young kids and their their ideas are going to be over the moon and stuff like that, and it may not be able to possibly happen. Mm-hmm. But I think when it comes to, like, giving the kids feedback and letting them know, it's being honest. 
Don't sugarcoat it. Mm. Just be honest. Be like, look, this isn't how it's going to be. But we're grateful for your feedback. Mm. We're grateful for your participation. We're so we're mm. thankful. Mm. But this is a little. This is a tiny bit of the aspect that we're taking from your idea, and we're mm. putting it into mm. this idea. And you still give them a bit of ownership. You still give them the opportunity to say, "Hey, I worked on that," mm. even though it's not their whole big idea. Mm. Yeah, I think yeah, that's really important. Feeding back and showing where the input actually had impact. And took effect. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And I think that applies to organizational leaders. It applies to working with your staff as yeah. well as it is to the to the young people that the organization would provide a service to. I think that's really important. Yeah. Well look, I think I think we've covered a lot of what we needed to yeah, cover. So. Um I guess my, my last question would be if you can think about sort of you know, your wish list about what an organisation would do to be, to involve children in um, decisions about, that, that affect the child, what would be on it? What would be on your wish list for what the organisation should do? Um, a, div- a diverse, like, council to, mm. not even a council, just sort of a diverse panel mm. that has kids from the younger areas and then the older areas and just sitting down and talking to them and say, this is our policy. This is what we do. This is what we aim to achieve. Mm. What can we do to fix it? What can we do to make it more child-friendly? Because mm. I sometimes look at some organisational websites and it's not written for kids. Mm. Yeah. No one's, no teenager who's looking at this up or wanting the services they need is going to read that long list of policies that's written by some adult taking, ticking mm. boxes. Mm. Yeah. It's not child-friendly. It's mm. not youth-friendly. It's not young adult-friendly. Mm. So it's about having conversations with the kid and having a, maybe a formal structure as well as all these informal ones we were talking about yeah. and also about having that information available in a way that the kids are actually going to be able to understand it. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. Mm. And, and you think about even, you know, staff members of an organisation have to follow a code of conduct Mm -hmm. and these are the rules and these are the behavioural expectations and some organisations and many schools in particular might have one for students as well Mm -hmm. but how student friendly is that from Mm -hmm. its look and feel to the language used Mm -hmm. to the is it just a piece of paper how is that communicated how is that given life Mm. And most of the time it's not communicated, like Mm. it's thrown away, it's said in their heads and then it's put somewhere deep back in their minds and they don't think about it and the code Mm. of, and like, this is stuff that they need to know. Yeah. But it's never done Mm. in a way that's focused on them. Mm. It's focused so boxes are ticked and everything Mm. like that. So Mm. your advice would be, say, a code of conduct that there there should be a child-friendly version of that code of conduct so kids know what their teachers are not allowed to do. Definitely. Mm. Yeah. I think that's important. It's about, you know, understanding your rights Mm. and um, the obligations. Mm. Yeah. Brilliant. Great. Oh, look, thank you so much for coming in and um, taking time out of your exams, we understand, to come and talk to us. (laughs) We really do appreciate it. Yeah. It's been fantastic. Thanks very much. Thank you. Great.